0: Pastor Ray Bentley takes us to a post-resurrection encounter between Jesus and two women.
1: When Jesus comes to them, what do these women do? They humble themselves at his feet, worshiping him. Now, we take it maybe for granted, but they're worshiping at the feet of Jesus Christ, and Jesus does not stop them. Do you know what that says about Jesus? Jesus is equal with God. Spread the news of
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Some people, even to this day, contend that Jesus never claimed to be God. But time and time again in the New Testament, we see the truth. He and the Father are one. And today, as Pastor Ray launches his final study in Matthew, we'll see a moment when Jesus' close friends worshiped Him as God incarnate.
1: If you have your Bibles, let's open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to look at the final verses, verses 9 through 20. And this is the Great Commission. Jesus ends with the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, comes to the final commission of Jesus to all of the disciples to make disciples. I want to pray for you that you will receive a divine commission from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and go and make disciples. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We open our hearts and our spirit to you. May you speak to us. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. May we have eyes to see what you want to show and to reveal to us. And Lord, we're looking for not just the the natural realm and what's happening here. We see that. But we're praying for a heavenly spiritual insight, divine insight that we will look with our spiritual eyes at what is happening at this very moment in this very hour, that we will see your hand. We will see your word come to pass. We will feel the empowering of your Holy Spirit as we go into this hour of human history and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, we commit all of this into your hands. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name we pray, and everyone said amen. All right, let's begin with our first life lesson, and I love this. It is when we are obeying God's word that he comes to us. Look with me at Matthew 28, verse five, so we'll read up to the context. It says, but the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Or that's basically where he had been, but now it's empty. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. In verse 9, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I love this in verse nine. As they went to tell the disciples, that is the word that the Lord had given to them from the angel. The angel said, hey, come into the tomb. See where he used to lay. He's no longer here. He's alive. He's risen. He's gone. Now go tell his disciples, go from here in Jerusalem back up to Galilee where it all started and that his disciples will meet him there. So the women ran And while they're running to tell the disciples, in other words, while they're obeying the word of the Lord through the angel, they see Jesus. And he says, rejoice. And he brings them this tremendous greeting. I want you to to grasp this. When we are walking in obedience to the Lord, that's when we will have divine revelations of Jesus Christ. So obey the Lord, obey him, follow him. Don't just read and don't just study the word but seek to live the word and to obey the word and to walk in the word and his spirit will come upon you. Now there's something, there's a scripture that is in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Because we need right now to not just see the things that are in the natural. If your mind is locked in on what's happening here in the natural, you're gonna get very discouraged, very depressed. I don't know if you know that historically, This is related to the same time that the spies went into the land. And as the spies went into the promised land, God really wanted them not to look in the natural, but he wanted them to look in the spiritual. Because if they only looked at the natural, and that's what happened to 10 of the 12 spies. They didn't have spiritual eyes. They didn't have faith. They went into the land, they spent 40 days there, After 40 days, they came back. And you know what they, the Bible says they gave an evil report, an evil report. This is the promised land that God had told them, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is gonna be the blessing of the Lord. You are my children, you're my chosen. I'm going to bless you and use you to create and provoke jealousy among the nations of the world that they will wanna be in relationship with me. But when they went in, they gave an evil report, why? because they only saw with their physical eyes. And what did they see in the physical? Giants. And in the physical, when they saw all of the giants that occupied their minds, they came back and they, they were afraid. And they, those 10 you know, dominated, there's only two that saw in the spirit, Joshua and Caleb. So kind of by numerically, the, the majority said we shouldn't go into the land and they, they brought fear to two and a half million people. Joshua and Caleb also went in and one of the places they went in during the 40 days was Hebron. Hebron is what God wanted them to see in the spirit because it's in Hebron that the patriarchs were buried, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They literally were able to go into the promised land and Joshua and Caleb said, oh, those those earthly giants, they're little pipsqueaks. They're nothing. We've seen the real giants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they came back with a good report. So I wanna encourage you that if you only look at the natural and listen to the news that's going on in this world from a natural perspective, you're going to be filled with fear. We need to have the eyes of Joshua and Caleb and of a spirit. So here's the scripture I want you to write down, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We need to start waiting on the Lord for a great, mighty outpouring of his spirit. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not be faint. How many of you would love to experience all of that? Hallelujah. They that wait on the Lord. Now, let me tell you about that word wait. In Hebrew, the word wait, kava, literally means to entwine. It means to get entwined. It's like, you know, with vines and how they will entwine. Isn't that interesting? They that wait on the Lord, it's talking about prayer. But the root meaning of the word is they that entwine themselves with the Lord. That's what happens in prayer as you just you don't have to have a list of all the things you you want to pray about. That's okay. That's good. Uh, Or the problems you're working out. But just I want to encourage us enter into the presence of the Lord. Seek the face of the Lord and wait on the Lord. In other words, just look at him and begin worshiping him and adoring him and being filled with the spirit and the joy of the Lord. And as you do, your spirit and his spirit begin to entwine. And when your spirit is entwined in the presence of God, that's when the power of God, the glory of God, the refreshing of God, the strength of God, like eagle's wings, and you'll find energy. You'll be revived, you'll be renewed, you'll be able to run and not be weary and walk and not faint. So let us go and spend time in prayer, seeking the face of God, waiting on the Lord, getting entwined with Him. Can I hear an amen on that?
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, So many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. Pastor Ray was influential in teaching us to make the Bible our manual for life. Nothing else was needed and nothing else mattered. He taught us to keep our eyes on Jesus, love God, our neighbors, and the Bible. We can't wait to see Him again. God is good all the time. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years and your prayers are cherished by the Bentley family. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: So here, back to the women, while they were running, while they were obeying the word of the Lord, that's another way to entwine yourself with the Lord is to obey it, don't just read it, study it, but do it, practice it, and put it into your life. And while they were doing that, Jesus appeared to them. Now, when Jesus comes to them, what do these women do? They literally, they go down to the ground, they humble themselves at his feet. And they begin worshiping him. Oh, how I love this. And, and I want you to think about what this means. Now, we take it maybe for granted. But they're worshiping at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus does not stop them. Do you know what that says about Jesus? Jesus is equal with God. As he said, I and my father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen my father. Jesus allowed himself to be worshiped as God. He didn't say, "Oh no, stop. Don't do that. I'm just, you know, a, a servant or a prophet and only you can only worship my father." No, he allowed them to worship himself. The Father glories in the Son, the Son glories in the Father, and they are one. And I think this is so beautiful and so precious. Then look with me in verse 10. Jesus says to them, while they're worshiping him, he said, do not be afraid, and go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Tell my brothers. (laughs) So Jesus is saying, go tell my brothers. And who is he saying it to? His sisters. We are brought into the family. I mean, don't, don't take this lightly. And the other thing that think about is, you know, what, what else? I'm reading this and I'm thinking of everything that just had happened at the cross and going even back to the garden of Gethsemane and the disciples falling asleep. I mean, what if Jesus had said, hey, You guys, remember when I was in the garden and sweating great drops of blood, you fell asleep. Where were you? Or Peter, what are you doing? You denied me. Hey, what about when I was on the cross? Some of you weren't even there. Jesus could have said all of those things, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, go tell my brothers. Sisters, go tell my brothers that I will meet them in Galilee. Well, you know what that says to us? What that says to us is all their failures, all of their mistakes, all of their, you know, failing before the Lord is washed, cleansed, and forgiven. And the Lord says, now I'm gonna give you a brand new identity. I am your elder brother. The Bible calls him our elder brother. Now he is, you know, obviously he's the savior. He is the Lord and we worship him, but he has brought us into the family of God. Isn't that precious? Isn't that sweet that we are his family and we are related to him and he is our elder brother. Well, let's move on to verses 11 through 15. And I'm gonna call this the great cover-up. So as Jesus is revealing himself to the disciples, the men and the women, what about what was happening with, you know, at the tomb, the soldiers and and everything that was going on there? So we read in verse 11, it says, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened, And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Wow, the cover up. We know what really happened, but here is the cover up and the cover up shows the darkness of these religious leaders. Think about these soldiers who come to the Jewish religious leaders and they've got to explain why there's no body. The religious leaders specifically had asked Pilate, we need Roman military soldiers to guard the tomb. And their greatest concern was, we've gotta make sure nothing happens on the third day. Because this guy said, Jesus, that on the third day, he's going to rise from the dead. So we need soldiers to secure it and make sure that doesn't happen. So now, what did these Roman soldiers come and tell them? They came and reported, hey, look, I, I, you know, we, we didn't know how to explain this. I don't know how the Roman soldiers explained it, but this supernatural being came, his face was like lightning. We were terrified, overwhelmed. We couldn't even move. The stone rolled away and he's gone. Now, what do we do? I'm thinking that if you're you know, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, an elder, a Jewish religious leader, you might wanna go, hey, maybe we were wrong. These are Romans, they're not even Jews. They don't even know our prophecies and they're telling us a story of a supernatural. There were angels that came, the stone rolled away and he's alive. Wow, maybe we should repent and believe in him. But instead they hear the soldier's story and they double down to cover up a miracle. What are we gonna do? They pay them a large sum of money. They wanna make sure this thing literally gets buried. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's the story they come up with. (laughs) They're, They're covering a known miracle. They've just heard the testimony of what happened. And they said, look, here's what we want you to say. Say that you fell asleep. Now think about what this means. To believe this lie, you would have to believe several things. Number one, you have to believe that all the Roman soldiers were sleeping. Number two, you have to believe that they violated Roman law by sleeping on duty which is punishable by death. Thirdly, they slept so deeply that none of them were awakened when the seal was broken and this huge two-ton stone rolled away. They didn't hear any of that. And fourthly, they were all sleeping, but then when they woke up, they knew who had come and stolen the body. Does that make any sense? The whole thing is like the biggest fabrication and lie. But I do think it's interesting who the soldiers first went to. They didn't go to Pilate. They didn't go to their Roman military commanders. Who were the first ones that they went to? They went to the Jewish religious leaders to tell them what happened. Why? Because they knew that they wanted to cover this up as much as the Roman soldiers needed to cover this up so that they're not put to death. So the whole thing was convoluted. It was a huge cover-up of the miracle that they wanted to cover. And so that's what they came up with. The body was somehow stolen. Uh, What a fragile lie covering the greatest miracle of human history. Well, let's go on to verses 16 and 17. It says, when the disciples, now they're going to see Jesus, they also worshipped him. In verse 16, it says, and then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So now the women saw him. When they saw him, they fell at his feet and worshiped him. Now, up in Galilee, Jesus appears to the guys. He appears to the disciples. And when they see him, they worship him to the mountain that had been appointed. Now we don't know which mountain that was. It doesn't tell us. It could have been the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus delivered the greatest sermon that is ever given. In fact, it's the only complete sermon we have of Jesus in the entire gospels. Or it might have been Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is just to the north of Galilee and it's near the area of Caesarea Philippi, which is where Jesus had taken the disciples kind of for their graduation ceremony, Caesarea Philippi, and he said, all right, who do the people say that I am? They they said, well, some think you're the prophet, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, and then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter, looking at Jesus, spoke and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, I believe, smiled, looked at Peter and said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. If you know that, that you know who I am, my Father has given you divine revelation. I always think about Peter. I wonder if he looked at the other guys and went, well, hey, guys, you know. (laughs) But Jesus, then it says, took three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to a high mountain apart. Well, Caesarea Philippi, is at the base of the largest mountain in Israel. It's called Mount Hermon. And there with Peter, James, and John, Jesus was transfigured, and his face and his hair and his clothing became white like lightning. He was transfigured. It was the Mount of Transfiguration. Who knows? Maybe that is the mountain that Jesus now brought the disciples to. But it was some mountain, and when they saw him, that it was not not just now knowing Jesus according to the flesh, but now all of the disciples, seeing and knowing the power and the glory of the resurrection, his eternal nature, they also, just as the women, went down to his feet and they worshipped him. Interesting, though, there's a little caveat. It says that they worshipped him, but some still doubted. What does that mean? How could you possibly doubt? I don't think that it means that they doubted that he was alive, there he was, and they could see him, but I wonder if there was just, you know, it seems like this is too good to be true. In a fallen, broken world, that's a saying. If it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. But that's in a fallen, broken world. In heaven, if it's awesome and it's good, it is true, because that's what heaven is, amen? That's the way God works, and that's the way God is. There may have been also a feeling of some of them, wow, he's alive and he has risen and a sense of their own failure. We often, even when Christ reveals himself to us and, and when we're saved and when we love him and worship him and are bowing down to him, we're still so conscious of our own sins, failures and weaknesses. He doesn't bring up their failures. He doesn't bring up their past. He doesn't bring up their mistakes. They have a new identity i just want to in the name of jesus encourage you confirm to you that god wants you to let your past be buried let it go let it be washed and cleansed by the blood of jesus and to receive your full identity in christ jesus can i hear an amen on that
0: pastor ray bentley Great encouragement today from our study in the final chapter of the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Are You Making Disciples? If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights, via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day, automatically, at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.